It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, folks, welcome to Quantum number 221, Quantum, the podcast that looks at news and culture and lots of different things from throughout the world from a Christian perspective. But it is open to all, and I appreciate the comments of people from many different backgrounds. Um, We are going to look at this big subject, this huge subject of injustice. I, I... I just hate injustice. I get so worked up about it, and, and, and I'm sorry about that sometimes. Experience sometimes personal things, but also wider things. But I want us to look at this because as we look at it from a Christian perspective, we see what injustice is, but we see that there is justice as well. So, But I've been working through some songs uh, that uh, I was greatly taken by, this idea that there were 10 songs that are scientifically proven to make you happy. And I just decided I would scientifically send, give you my own. And uh, this is uh, the third one, I think, that we've, we've done. And uh, it's a bit of rock music to get you started. Uh, I love this song. It does make me smile. If I'm cycling, it makes me cycle faster. But since we're going to get into some heavy stuff, let's listen to this first. That is Led Zeppelin, rock and roll. Uh, we've listened to some of it. Uh, it's, it's uh, I, as I said, I love it. It makes me smile. Now, this doesn't make me smile. We are looking at injustice against babies and infants. I am utterly astounded uh, that this is happening. I mentioned before that I do follow Kamala Harris and Joe Biden's tweets and Every single day, they are tweeting out about abortion. But I even I didn't think they would go this far. So Joe Biden is going to make legalizing abortion on demand up to nine months his top priority. He wants one that codifies Roe, and uh, he's made this speech, and he wants to sign it on the 50th anniversary of the Roe, Roe decision, and they think that this will win them more votes. 
It is nicknamed the Abortion Without Limits Up to Birth Act. The legislation would force states to legalize the killing of unborn babies in abortions for basically any reason through all nine months of pregnancy. Now, there are very few states in the world that have this extreme measure. China, North Korea, I'm not sure even of any others, and the United States of America. Well, God have mercy on America. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of, of telling Christians how to vote, and I, I can't understand how any Christian would vote for a party which is making that its number one priority. It used to be that abortion, people could vote according to their own conscience. Well, it seems that Joe Biden doesn't have a conscience because he was against abortion and now he's, he's not. And, you know, this is where all this goes, and it's so evil. Here is Stacey Adams, the governor of Georgia. Let's not pretend that women, half the population, especially those of childbearing age, they understand that having a child is absolutely an economic issue. It is only politicians who see it as simply another cultural conversation. It is a real biological and economic imperative conversation that women need to have. Do you hear what she's saying? This is not abortion for gross genetic defects, a child probably dying, severely handicapped, or other reasons that people use. It's not abortion for for rape that she's talking about. She here is talking about why you need to kill your child to buy gas and food. I mean, we, we talk about times past as being barbaric. I I just don't know of anything more bar- barbaric than that. Killing your own child for economic reasons. The um and 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 the propaganda with this. The Guardian published an article which was an astonishing. Somebody actually sent it to me because they, they thought it was a, an, an argument against me about what a pre- pregnancy actually looks like at nine weeks. The only problem with this series of photographs is they edited out the actual baby. So it was the tissue around. It was the pregnancy tissue. They edited out. They literally removed the embryo. And then they said, this is what the baby looks like. You don't need to worry. No, it's not. This is the baby removed. This was just the tissue. Breathtaking. And then I want you to listen to this. You know, we're talking about children and and babies. And, you know, if it's okay to kill a child in the womb. What if the child's a month out of the womb or a year out of the womb? Could you kill them? Listen to what this Dr. Reloy of the Quebec College of Physicians spoke at a special joint committee on assisted death in Canada. Listen to this. The committee recommends and the board of directors supports as well, that these minors from 14 to 7 years of age, and nearly 18, um, could, uh, with their tutors or parental parent, could make a request for MAID based on the level of uh, persistent and intolerable suffering that they may experience and become unmanageable and senseless. The same for babies from zero to one years of age who are born with severe 
deformations, very uh, grave and severe uh, syndromes, medical syndromes, whose life expectancy and uh, level of suffering are such that it would uh, make sense to ensure that they do not suffer. You hear what he's saying. He's saying if the child is severely deformed or pain or grave and severe syndromes, it's okay to euthanize the child. It's okay to kill the child. We are talking here about killing the disabled. The Na- when the Nazis did it, it was wrong. When liberals do it, it's deemed to be merciful, merciful killing. I cannot describe the darkness and the heaviness on my own spirit with this. So I'm, I'm going to play this song at this time. Um, this is Noel Richards, and I think he sums it up beautifully. Great is the darkness that covers the earth Oppression, injustice, and pain Nations are slipping in hopeless despair Though many have come in your name Watching while sanity dies Touched by the madness and lies Come, Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, pour out your Spirit, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, pour out your Spirit on us today. In a world where the American president wants to have abortions up to nine months on demand. In a world where doctors are openly discussing killing disabled infants. There is a great darkness. And some of the other stuff, there's darkness. Uh, This may seem like light relief, but let's just come to the UK government. I do have to say something about that. We're talking about injustice. And I think there's a great deal of injustice in the UK and it seems to be getting chaos. And by the way, if you end up with a breakdown of law and order and a breakdown of civic society, you do then end up with great injustice. And there's a danger of that in the UK. Someone needs to get a grip. The person who is supposed to be getting a grip is Jeremy Hunt. And Jeremy Hunt has come in and he seems to be running the government. The, the, the new prime minister seems to be almost like a puppet Uh, And there's all kinds of of things happening which are profoundly disturbing. Um, The technocrats are back in charge. Now, what do I have against Jeremy Hunt? Well, listen to this. Uh, I very much agree with uh, the central point in Gabriel's paper that we should be aiming for zero infection um, and elimination of the disease because that is basically the approach taken in countries which have a SARS strategy as opposed to a a flu strategy. And those are the countries that have overwhelmingly been the most successful in in tackling coronavirus. Um, And, uh, you know, I just, my sister uh, lives in Beijing and she flew back to Beijing in the middle of lockdown. And just to give you an an idea of the contrast, uh, she was escorted from the airport 
in Beijing to her home by Ministry of Health officials. Uh, and then uh, put into her home for two weeks quarantine. The door was sealed and uh, she had a police car sitting outside her house uh, periodically. And I'm not saying we go that far in this country, but I just think it's an indication of how serious they are in the countries that have had to deal with SARS about stopping at the root every possible source of infection. The man who is in effect now running Britain is somebody who commended Beijing because of its strict policies. He basically said, we couldn't get away with it here, but this is a good thing to do. By the way, he was entirely wrong, of course, because Beijing didn't get rid of COVID. Beijing is still fighting COVID. Beijing is faced with a lot of problems with COVID. But again, there's the injustice you see when governments go wrong and when governments uh, use their power to enforce their own policies, often at the expense of the poor and the weak. And then, of course, there is injustice in war. So here's a national anthem I suspect you may not know. That was the Tigrayan national anthem. The war has flared up between the Eritrean-backed federal forces and the rebels in the northern Tigray region. Um, There had been a ceasefire, but we know that at least over 50 people have died in a renewed offensive. Federal troops have launched an offensive against the rebels uh, from the Tigray region. The Tigray forces said Eritrean troops had launched an extensive offensive. Um, there'd been a military build-up and all the rest of it. The Ethiopian president, Sal Work Zwadi, has said that uh, we, need to, we, we need to get some peace. Now, this conflict matters. Why? Because there's an injustice in war. 2.6 million people have been displaced and cut off from basic services, including medical care and water. Both sides are using um, um, violence and starvation as a weapon. A new study shows that babies in Tigray are dying in their first month of life at four times the rate before the war started. The old number of mothers dying during pregnancy or within 48 two days, 42 days of delivery has also risen by five times the pre-war number. You know, we talk about just war and there can be such a thing as just war, but that, that people don't understand the limitation of that. I think it's almost impossible to think of a glorious war. And then we come to Ukraine. In, in, in Tigray, by the way, it seems there's, there's a lot of drones attacking um, and that we know that that's now happened in Ukraine. And, you know, the Russians using drones to wipe out uh, power plants and, and to attack civilians is utterly horrendous. But on that same question... I read a superb article in Unheard, and I've put a link to it. Why is the U.S. administration continuing to pour tens of billions into a war that is ravaging Ukraine, causing thousands of deaths, triggering massive collateral damage globally, when, according to the Washington Post, privately, U.S. officials say neither Russia nor Ukraine is capable of winning the war outright? One of the things about just war theory, by the way, is you can fight a war if it can be won, and with without disproportionate measures. 
what if our sending all these weapons into Ukraine is only prolonging the destruction and bloodshed? There has to be a diplomatic solution, purely and simply, because there is going to be one at some point, unless there's going to be a nuclear war. There's just a madness in this whole policy. Um, Joe Biden recently warned of the very real possibility of a nuclear Armageddon. Well, we have to stop it. And I don't think there is justice in this world in, in, in that sense, in terms of this war. I think the Ukrainians will lose out, the Russians will lose out, uh, others will lose out. You know, you wish that there was justice for Putin in this world. But really, I think there's madness. And I'm going to take a stop there and just play this extraordinarily beautiful piece of music. This is uh, La Folia, La Soy de Lucara. Uh, Yo soy la rocara, sorry, la folia. Yo soy la rocara. Uh, it's from the Erasmus van Rotterdam. Uh, it's, it's it's astonishingly beautiful, and, and I, I think maybe we'll be able to indulge ourselves and listen to the whole lot. I just found I find it very beautiful, although I find the lyrics about the madness of war also particularly poignant. Well, I don't say about the madness of war. It is about madness. I am madness. I am madness. The one who alone infuses pleasure. A pleasure and sweetness and content in the world. Everyone serves my name a lot or a little. And no, there is no man who believes himself to be crazy. I am madness. The idea of to, be, to enjoy this world, you have to be insane. I don't agree. I don't agree. But I do think there's a madness in the world, which is pretty awful. Okay, let's consider racial injustice. Um, that's another kind of injustice. And I think about it here from the perspective of the indigenous people. 
Now I'm reading John Harris's One Blood, which is it's a, a new edition of his incredible book about 200 years of Aboriginal encounter with Christianity, a story of hope. It is a massive scholarly work, over a thousand pages, I say. Um, I just, it's one of the most incredible books I've ever read. And it shows two things. It does show the incredibly bad way in which the Aboriginal people were treated. And it also shows the hope that the gospel brought to them. And I, uh, I'm hoping to get to know more Indigenous people uh, while we're here because what, what I've seen so far, just been tremendously impressed with some things, and then there are obviously major problems in the community, but the racial injustice that many still have to face. And one of them is a very strange one. It's what's called racial shifters. In the last census, there was a 25% national increase of Indigenous people, supposedly, but more than 92,000 of those cannot be explained as normal population growth. What they are are box tickers. They are people who in this crazy world are able to say, I am indigenous, although they may have no indigenous blood. I could identify, according to Sydney University, I could identify as indigenous, which would mean I would get grants, I would get certain privileges. And I was reading a, a article by a woman who's uh, from the Wiradjuri people. And she was saying that Wiradjuri had become such a popular choice for box tickers that they earned the nickname the default tribe. It is reckoned that box tickers will statistically outnumber Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in 15 years or within three censuses. Young, white, woke people saying, hey, I'm indigenous because I say I'm indigenous. I'm sorry, but that's unjust and wrong people who've never had to experience racial injustice now claiming themselves to be victims and taking away taking away much needed justice from those who have been victims of racial injustice hate it climate injustice there's a, just a dreadful thing happening um the 600 lives have been lost in nigeria uh, as there's been flooding in the west african nation. Uh, here's something from the BBC News. Over 60 to 70 years now, I've never seen such a thing. So maybe it may have something to do with the climate change. That's why it's best known to technology to define it or to prove it. Flooding and the food insecurity can be largely explained with climate change uh, uh, factors. So climate change is real as we are yet again discovering in Nigeria. Now, what's interesting is people immediately say when this happens that it's climate change. And indeed, it may well be. This is one of the, I think this is the worst flood in 10 years. But there was, Nigeria is prone to flooding. There was flooding uh, 10 years ago. But it may well be that climate change is a factor here. But what is also a factor is the injustice within the country. That poor planning and infrastructure have exacerbated it. And the other thing is that people have been going back onto floodplains to their homes. And these floodplains are flooding. They're called floodplains for that reason. 1.3 million people have been displaced and more than 200,000 homes have been destroyed. Here in Australia, we're facing not quite as serious a situation, but you see the difference. 
I, I think maybe two or three people may have lost their lives in floods in Australia that there have been over the past week. But because there, there's a more just government, I would put it, better system, then lives are saved. Injustice kills. Then there's injustice against women. This is an extraordinary story of a hospital in London that has refused to operate on a sex attack victim after she requested all-female care because she fears mixed-sex facilities are unsafe for women. Now, she's quite right. She was stunned when someone she believed to be a transgender male opened the door in her pre-op assessment, so she complained. The hospital then cancelled the surgery. And you need to understand, this is not minor surgery, this is not plastic surgery, this is major surgery that's needed to save her life. The hospital cancelled it, claiming it was protecting staff from discrimination and harassment. The injustice of that is horrific. The hospital said, we can't do with requests for single-sex care, citing the diversity of colleagues. This is a woman who is a sex assault victim. She's due to have this complex collectoral surgery, and it was cancelled because she uses the wrong pronouns, because she demanded, and she asked, reasonably so, surely, that she be treated only by a woman. You want more injustice? Take Keir Starmer, who last year told Pink News the next Labour government will introduce self-ID, has now told them that he will introduce tougher LGBT hate crime laws in which offences such as misgendering will be treated as aggravated offences. So if I call that nurse a man, which he is, I'm guilty of misgendering. And that's an aggravated hate crime. Listen to this from America. Right now, parents' rights and LGBTQ protections are a big focus in Virginia. Thousands of students in Virginia have walked out of class protesting Governor Glenn Youngkin's newly proposed model policies on the treatment of transgender students at school. Trans rights are human rights! And Governor Youngkin argues schools shouldn't keep parents in the dark about their child's sexual orientation and gender identity. These same progressives in Fairfax County actually believe that they should lock parents out of their children's lives. They think that parents have no right to know what your child is discussing with their teacher or their counselor. Democratic Virginia delegate Elizabeth Guzman is a social worker, and she's planning on reintroducing a bill in Richmond that she says would help protect LGBTQ children from their parents and guardians who may not be affirming of their child's sexual orientation and gender identity. This is how we're going to push back. Her bill would expand the state's definition of child abuse and neglect to include parents who do not affirm their child's gender identity or sexual orientation. There's an investigation also in place that is not only, you know, from a social worker, but there's also a police investigation before we make the decision that there's going to be a CPS charge. What could the penalties be if, you know, the investigation concludes and it's concluded that a parent is not affirming of their LGBTQ child, what could the consequences be? You know, it could be a felony, it could be a misdemeanor, but we know that CP a CPS charge could harm, you know, your employment, could harm your education. And Alexandria, Nick Minox, 7 News. And that's a wow, isn't it? Virginia parents could face a felony or misdemeanor charge if they do not affirm their child's sexual orientation and gender identity. Great is the darkness, isn't it? Then there's injustice against Christians. I don't want to say too much about that. 
Just to point out that this week I received information that the ACL, the, that's the Australian Christian Lobby, has been listed as a far-right and extremist group by the US Global Project Against Hate and Extremism because it's anti-LGBTQ+. Does that mean I'm far-right? Really? Because I uphold biblical standards on sex and sexuality, does that make me far-right? That's also in unjust. I've experienced my own particular form of injustice this week, which I won't say too much about. Just if you go to the website, you'll see an article on uh, a car crash that my wife was involved in. And again, I was talking with some lawyers this morning and we were talking about how it's much easier to get justice if you're rich. But is that justice? So how do we fight injustice? Well, let me give uh, a couple of examples. This wonderful woman, listen to this woman. I just want to know what it is uh, that makes a drag show family friendly. Because if you follow it to its logical conclusion, you can slap family friendly titles on anything. You can have family friendly gentlemen's clubs, family friendly strip shows, family friendly Fifty Shades of Grey read alouds. Will you appro- approve my flyer if I want to host in all the sex secrets of the Kama Sutra for kids and families? If it's family friendly. That's my question. Wow. Come on. Uh, what is it about a grown man? And I honestly, sincerely, as a woman, mean this. What is it about a grown man costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out, a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass with tuck tape on his front while spreading his fishnetted legs as he writhes on the ground? Grinding his groin next to a minor, family-friendly. You owe us an answer. And you know, you don't get to hide by just taking something down off Peachtree and calling it a day. You owe an explanation and an apology to everyone. problem with child porn, with sex trafficking, you, a little school district board of adults, made the decision to feature an event to hypersexualize young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21 plus gay bar. It makes you groomers and activist pimps and we won't have those sitting on a school board who oversees the education of our children. You all stepped out of line. You should be ashamed. There's nothing loving. There's nothing, let's unite and include because the logical conclusion of that is you end up in diabolical evil. There are boundaries and you don't slap family friendly titles on stuff to cover your ass. Now that was a mom at in San Francisco, school, I think it was. Yeah, it was a school board. She was speaking to the school board. It, I hope you got it. It was utterly brilliant. Uh, she she is challenging the school's decision or the school board's decision to allow a gender reassignment surgery in a, in a 21 plus gay club to sponsor a family friendly drag show. And what she said was brilliant. Just because you put family friendly in front of something. It doesn't count. I I had another piece from the States. I mean, this all seems to be in the States. I had another piece from the States, which I actually couldn't play because it was so gross. Supposed to be family friendly. A drag queen singing in front of children about various sexual acts. Now, this woman was surely right. There are boundaries. This is grooming and diabolical evil. We need people to stop. That's how you fight injustice, by speaking out against it. You also need a holy determination. 
and uh, I was getting a bit of a battering recently for some things and this song came to mind listen to this take that as a theme tune almost that's tom petty and the heartbreakers i won't back down you can back me up to the gates of hell but i won't back down that's what we need far too often we're backing down no i wrote that the disinfectant of light is not allowed near the cesspit of lies well we just have to break in we have to bring the light all right uh, last week we did ricky gervais um This isn't so much about injustice, but it's about gratitude. Uh, You can listen to the whole clip, but this is just the end of this clip he had with Stephen Colbert. Do you you ever have a feeling of great gratitude for existence? I love, of course. Do you ever have I know know, know the chances are billions to one that I am on this planet as me and never will be again. And I know I I can't convince you that there there is a God, nor do I really want to convince you there's a God, but I can only explain my experience, which is that I have a strong desire to direct that gratitude towards something or of someone. Of course, no, of yeah. course. And that, thing is, that thing is God. We're mortal. We, don't, we, we want to we make sense of nature and science. And, we, and it's too unfathomable that, 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 that everything in the universe was once crunched into something smaller than an atom. But you don't Three, know that. Well... You're just believing but, Stephen but not, Hawking, but, and that's a matter of faith it? in his abilities. Yeah, yes. You don't know it yourself. You're accepting that because someone told you. Yeah. Now... Gervais, Colbert was quite right. Who do you feel gratitude to? And Gervais basically shrugs it off and says, well, I feel gratitude because I'm just incredibly lucky. You see, how can you be grateful for your luck? Can you not be grateful to someone? We're all crunched into one immense atom. Yeah, sure, Ricky, that's, that's what you believe. And you think that one atom exploded and out of it came you. And out of it came everything else and this beautiful music that we've, we've heard. Out of it came all the ugliness. Really? Seriously, it's a huge amount to believe that. I think he's got no one to be grateful to. My wife was in a serious car accident this week and thankfully she came out unscathed. I think her car's done, but that doesn't matter. A cement lorry hit her. Full on. Uh... There are things that we can explain, and I think there are things we can't explain. I know this is going to sound weird to some of you, but I really do believe that God's angels were protecting her. And I'm very thankful that she's alive. I don't feel lucky. I feel thankful to God. Now, that raises all kinds of questions about when people say, well, that, you know, my wife was hit by a car and she died. Well, those are questions that I'm prepared to answer. Um, I'm thinking about writing some stuff on this as well. I'm not saying that Christians are immune from suffering. We're not at all. But we do believe that he's got the whole world in his hands. And we do believe, as Thomas Manton says, that for every reason we have to complain, we have a thousand reasons to be grateful. 
or in the words of Matt Redman, we have 10,000 reasons. Uh, and I'm going to leave you with this. This is Matt Redman singing in Times Square. I've used this before, but we, I use it again. It's just a wonderful piece of music. You guys take it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. And worship his holy name. Beautiful. And sing like never before. I worship your holy name. Jesus, you know, in this world of great injustice, I'm very thankful there's a God of justice. I'm very thankful that what is wrong will be put right. I'm very thankful that God in his justice sent Christ to die for my sin and to die for your sin and that I can know peace and forgiveness through that. And that in the end, all the unjust deeds in the world will be dealt with one way or another. So I'll leave you till next week. Um, thanks to Peter Laverock for producing this. I've, I should thank him all the time because he does a wonderful job. Uh, thanks to you. If you support this uh, podcast and you want to help, then just please go to the website, www.theweeflee.com and you can click on the Podbean fundraiser and help us that way if you want. And next week, just to give you a heads up, we'll be a day later because I'm going on holiday, thankful to be able to do that, and I won't be going near a computer until I get back. So, God bless you, and see you next week. Bye. Jesus, on that day when my strength is